Today I'll try to share a little bit about my background, but also the struggle I've had with being content in singleness. It's not something that comes naturally. Um, and, uh, you know, my background, I was thinking on my way over, I come from Hutterai Colony, but on the way over I was just really thinking about my discontent in being single in the colony. And unfortunately, I couldn't think of a time in the colony that I was discontent in my singleness, which is a rather interesting thing just to dwell on that I haven't thought about until I drove over. And I think it, some of it has to do with the pressures we put, the society has put on us. In the colony, we're so busy doing other things, always being entrenched in doing work that I feel like there's probably less time to dwell on the aspect of being single. Um, so our study today, just kind of as a foundation as far as the background, um, a couple years ago I started running an ultra marathon of just my first race that I signed up for was the Ridge Run, if anybody's familiar with that, and then my next one was the rut up in Big Sky. And through that, the Lord has used some passages that have built a great foundation and parallel in what it means to run the race with endurance and run after Christ and to help be content in singleness. And I kind of want to share a little bit out of Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2, so I'll read that if you want to turn that with, with me really quickly while you're doing that. I've got two definitions for, um, or contentment, I have a definition of satisfied, and discontentment is dissatisfied. And I think one of the ways to be satisfied is summed up in what John, or not John MacArthur, but John Piper, his phrase to use, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And whether you are single or married, your contentment will not change if you're not focused on Christ. I've had coffee uh, with someone that recently got married, and I knew them in the past as far as discontentment and singleness. And it was sad to see that same level of discontentment in their married life. And it's just a reminder that if you're focused on being married, contentment will not change when you're married. Uh, and sin will not go away. I mean, that battle, whatever you have, which we'll cover, but it, it doesn't change from being married and that. There's just different struggles as we, re, you know, really quickly read out of uh, Corinthians 7 this morning, 1 Corinthians, um, as he had, you know, just a different battle that we have with that. It doesn't change. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great a uh, cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I will cover just the first verse and a little bit of verse 2. And um, just thinking in the sense too, as far as like, you know, Contentment that I'll talk about a little bit and do application a little bit at the end is just kind of the foundation that we have to build or that I've learned and, and uh, with great examples around me, learn to build when it comes to being content in Christ and thankful for just the work that he's done over the last um, year and a half in that area. And it's truly by the grace of God that I am here today, especially coming out of a, a background that I come out of uh, for. So as he starts out, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, um, you know, given the, the idea of like, what do we have to run this race? What are we looking to? Why do we need witnesses to that he's just talked about coming out of 
the previous chapter, the Hall of Faith. It's like why it's important to be able to look to them and to be able to have them as witnesses. Not like an arena of people cheering us on, even though that is really important in any sporting event or in any, when I run marathons or like running the ridge race, there's runners throughout or people stationed throughout that help you through the aid stations, that cheer you on, that help you go through those battles that you go through. And in the same way, we have these men of faith that are in chapter 11 that we talked about, not cheering us on, but we look at their lives as examples. As Alan Miller would say, is study the dead guys that finished well, if you've ever been around Alan. So look at guys that have been referenced in the Bible, but also people, as we talk about John Huss, William Tyndale, martyrs like uh, Wormbrand, uh, Richard Wormbrand. If you look at those, and then people in your life that are running well, when I run out on the course, it's like, why do I want to finish well? It's because of people that I see that have already accomplished the race and be able to do it in record time. It's like, that spurs me on um, in that. Witnesses help guide us, encourage us uh, along the way and motivate us. Um, Paul encouraged his followers to study him as an example, and we look to that as we get later on. Christ is our ultimate example as far as that, but Paul even encouraged his uh, writers continually to make sure that they did that. And that's why I think the writer of Hebrews is doing the same in this case, is just to help encourage us to be able to look back, because they had such a struggle. They were, as we're studying on Sunday morning, if any of you go to Grace, of Pastor Brian saying is that the book of Hebrews is all about Jesus Christ and just making our eyes fixed on him because they wanted to go back to Judaism and return back to something that was very comfortable and familiar with. It's kind of like when people come out of the Hutterite colony, they'll end up going back eventually because the life that they were looking for out here really doesn't satisfy them. And it's very easy to live in a culture like that where everything is taken care of, where there's really no sense of freedom, but kind of in the sense going back to what we feel comfortable. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then I've been studying Philippians, uh, the book, just reading through it like on a continual basis for a month. And it's been amazing to do that, to glean from that every day, something new of just verses that stand out. In Philippians 3.17, he says, Join one another in following my example, brothers, and carefully observe those who live according to the pattern we set for you. And then in 4.9, he goes, Whatever you have learned and received from me and seen in me, put these things into practice. So the important thing when we are running the race, fixing our eyes on Christ, is to make sure we get encouraged and we find encouragement by looking at people that have done that well. Numerous of you can look at people in your life currently are people that have passed away but that have done really well. I mean, I, I think of examples, people that are sitting here that I've been around with Danny and Andrew, um, uh, just that have done really well. Alan Miller is just the guy spend so much time in shepherding, discipling, serving others through his service, and that's encouraging to see. And I know there's others that, I, that are sitting in this room that I haven't mentioned. So just kind of one of those um, areas that we look to others that have finished well. Paul later on would tell Timothy the same thing. So it's really important to make sure we, have, we surround ourselves with great people, but also study people that have done it well when they've come up against hard spots. In your singleness, you will find times of discouragement. You'll find times where you dwell on wanting to be married. It's not a bad desire, but if it becomes your sole desire, it is a bad thing. It's like with running. When I trained for the ridge run, I had no experience. I weighed 200 pounds. And it goes on to my next point as far as like laying aside the weight that bears us down. I had to lose some weight and start training. 
when I started training, I took off really fast. And as far as just picking up the pace, I was with Jeff Jackson and Ross uh, Grub up on the hill. And, you know, it wasn't long before I would run away from them. But it didn't take very long where that good thing became an idol in my life. And it absolutely, just for the next several months, brought me so much pain with an IT band injury as I was coming off the top of Baldy with a bruise. I, I pulled an IT band, and that is how I tried to push through and train for the next uh, several months. And I did finish the ridge run with an IT band injury. But it was a week before the ridge run that I was up on the hill with Pastor Dave Barnhart and uh, Adam Heimeyer. We were caught in a storm, and I was like, lucky I didn't get hypothermia up there. But that night, I was ready to run, jump out of the uh, ridge run. I was going to, I couldn't, figured I couldn't do it because I was in so much pain. And if anybody's had an IT band injury, you know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, that night, it was when the Lord was gracious enough to reveal to me that how much running had become an idol, how much I lauded and appreciated the praise of others. And just in the same way, singleness, when we focus so much on marriage or take anything else, any other idol that takes your focus away from Christ, is when your desires and your anxiety starts focusing on that and takes your focus on that, it has become an idol in your life. It will not bring you satisfaction. You can take that to anything. So that takes us on to the next part then. It's like he says, let us lay aside every weight. What are the weights that hinder us? And when you're running, you have to make sure that you're running with the right gear. You cannot run an ultra run or even um, just a marathon that's just on flat ground, which I think is boring. But, you know, uh, some people love doing that. I like hills for the simple fact it gives me variety. And, you know, it's a lot of fun to do the downhill running. But anyway, you must put on the proper right gear, training, fuel, and you have to start taking stuff off. I mean, the weight that you used to carry, it's nice to be able for me to shed pounds. It's also things that, you know, as far as what you eat, what you put in your body, things like that. It's just all those changes. If you take something off, something has to be put in. So I started eating really healthy, and by the time I was running training for the rut, I could do a run up to Baldy and back in a little over two hours, and I was fueling with beet juice. I figured out, or was reading about beet juice, that it was really good to help with that, and it was incredible, the best shape I've been in. And um, anyway, we'll get on to the next part of where I am today, and just kind of seeing that as a parallel of taking our eyes off the price. But uh, going back to this, so what hinders our walk in our, in our relationship with Christ? When we go back to uh, as the race that he's talking about running here of just keeping our eyes fixed on the end goal of Christ hinders our walk. It's not necessarily a sin, but just think of your life of just how much TV you watch. Do you play video games? Are you a couch potato? Do you like romance novels? It's anything that hinders our walk is considered a weight that bears us down. I was so challenged a year ago when I was, or my first year when I was training by Paul Washer. One I, I love Paul. Um, as far as he was running, I was listening to a sermon, and he was taught, giving me this parallel. I was running up sourdough of, if somebody watched your life for a week, what would it look like on video camera? And how much time do you watch, spend time watching TV? I was so convicted by that, because I would come home and sit down at night and watch TV. I was convicted enough to be able to say, I need to cut that out of my life. I cut that completely out of my life in the sense of like sitting down and just zoning out to that and started reading books and that's when I started reading the dead guys and guys on on persecution and it's just been such an incredible blessing and in reading through the Bible for the first time that year I read through 
the minor and major prophets in the Old Testament, and I will say you will not be sorry if you take such radical approaches to that. I mean, video games I've never had a struggle with, but I see guys that are 40, 50 years old that are playing video games. That's such a waste of life and uh, time, and quite honestly, if that's your lifestyle, I would say grow up. That would be the uh, challenge I would give you. So anyway, is what you're doing, I would challenge you, taken away from your time with God. Um, that would be what kind of weight can you shed in your life. And then moving on to the next one as we go, the sin that so easily entangles us. And what he's talking about here in the sense, I think the sin that he's talking about is trusting in Jesus Christ, the faith as he's talking about coming off of that. What's the opposite of faith? Doubt. Doubt causes discouragement. I was listening to this sermon by <clears throat> a guy that... Um, you know, was sharing about this garage sale that Satan had. And there's all these things that he was selling, pride, envy, all those. But there was one that had a price tag on it that was not for sale or the price was too high. And this price was discouragement. It's like, why is discouragement such a high price? Well, just think about it in this sense of like when I'm running a race, if I take my eyes off of the end goal or I don't have people there encouraging me, if I can't look back to others that have helped me along the way, it's so easy to be like, man, just give up. And I think of that in the sense of like not having your eye on the end goal. I'll share this story really quickly. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, uh, let's see if you can find it here, of Florence Chadwick. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. On the 4th of July, 1951, she attempted to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast. The challenge was not so much the distance, but the bone-chilling waters of the Pacific. To complicate the matters, a dense fog lay over the entire area, making it impossible for her to see the land. After about 15 hours in the water and within a half a mile of her goal, Chadwick gave up. Later, she told a reporter, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land, I might have made it. It's the same way if we don't have encouragement, the sin, like looking at discouragement of not trusting Christ and not having faith in the sense of um, taking our eyes off the ball. And the same way with like when I'm running a, a race, if I'm not doing that, that. So the different thing that entangles us and hinders us that we can like doubt or discouragement when we take our eyes off of Christ. So sin that he's talking about so easily entangles us. I have a couple quotes here that I got from Indwelling Sin by John Owen. It says, all sin entangles us and it hinders our performance. If sin, if sin entangles us in one thing, it will affect the soul in everything. I say that again. If sin entangles us in one thing, it will affect the soul in everything. We constantly have to kill sin or sin will put or input to that sin or it will kill us. It says mortification lessens its first force but not cannot change its nature. Grace changes that nature grace changes the nature of man and nothing can change the nature of sin. Whatever is done to it is enmity still, sin still. So in a sense, it's like when you look at the sin battle that's, that holds us back, that kind of ensnares us, that holds us back, let's say like a big old uh, chain around your, and if you don't get rid of that, you're not killing that. It's like you'll never have the victory over that. But in my life that I've seen it, it's like spending time in the Word, spending time away from the things that cause me to sin. If you're struggling with something as far as, you know, at, you know, 90%, I mean, the statistics when it comes to pornography or something like that within the church, outside the church, or, but within the church are insane. So it's like, what kind of radical changes do you have to do to, to step away from that 
as far as like whether or not it's around a, being around a computer, iPad, whatever it is with technology, or something with video games, or whatever you may find yourself that is holding you back from running that race properly. I mean, it's the same way with um, just getting off the couch to go train and run uh, that. Those are things that hold us back. Um, so we have to constantly, in a sense, replace that sin with something else. Danny had mentioned Romans 12, 1 and 2, as far as like being renewed day by day in the Word. And that is something that doesn't come naturally. Running a ridge run doesn't come naturally. You have to discipline yourself to get off the couch and do that. When I started about a um, year and a half ago, it was through a, a sermon that Scott uh, Morningstar did that had to do with what propelled me to take, I don't know what it was, but the Lord used a, a message that he had preached on, do we take the Bible seriously? If we do, why don't we obey it? And it was Matthew 28, go out and make disciples. And for some reason, that just lit a fire under me. And what got me to the point of where I stepped away from um, watching TV, but also took my time seriously to be in the Word. It's like, if I want to grow and be like Alan and be like the guys that have finished well, that ran like, you know, you can take it, Martin Lloyd-Jones or somebody. God has given us the ability to run after him in the same way as Paul and Timothy. We have to make changes in our life. You have to get up in the morning or evening whenever you do it and be disciplined to spend time in the Word, to be renewed day by day or day after day in that. And that's a struggle that I found. It's like if I'm going to do it, I need to get up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock, and it's, I found a lot of joy in doing that, and it doesn't, still doesn't come easy. It's something that you have to do all the time. I was listening to John MacArthur, and uh, he was talking in that aspect of what that is like, is people train every day to go athletes to work out. Why will I not do that when it comes to the Word? All right, I better move on to the next one. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at endurance training. It disciplines us, produces endurance. Um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in a way they may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. Um, as far as running the race with endurance, training that aspect, as Danny had alluded, my time of how I grew up, my work ethic has set me apart from people next to me, and it is because I learned how to work and was trained how to work when I was six years old, seven years old. I stepped out. I love work. I mean, it's not a challenge for me to work hard. It's something I learned how to do. And it's the same way when you're running for Christ. You discipline yourself now. The task is still that it has to be done. You still have to discipline yourself. But the work, it does become easier, I truly believe. And you can ask Danny and Gail and, and those guys. Um, the final thing is like what propels us, what helps us, though, to run that race that is set before us. And the last part, it says, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm looking at time, so I know I'm rushing through a little bit. If I sound a little bit like I'm uh, rushing uh, through, and I may circle back to a story that I have. But we have to make sure that we keep our eyes on the price and the goal that is set before us. Or else, you know, when you're running, you don't watch your feet. When you're shooting basketball, you don't watch the, the you keep your eye on the, the basket. When you're playing baseball, 
It's just the different analogies that you use. You have to set your eye on the prize that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, if I run downhill like downhill running, if I keep my eyes on my feet, you know, inevitably you'll end up tripping. It's just one of those things that like, I've learned to look out in front of me and my feet automatically just move in the way that they have to. And it's the same way when you become discouraged or when you take your eyes off the ball, what happens? That's when you end up falling in sin and it's one of those things or that's when you start adding on weight through whatever you eat because you've lost sight of what you're trying to reach, the end goal and the price um, that you uh, want to eat. So we look at Christ who he is our example. Um, so if you want to find contentment in singleness or any area of your life, imitate Christ. And that takes me back to kind of what I've been reading in Philippians 2, where Paul urges and exhorts his followers of like, hey, imitating Christ. Uh, in Paul, in Philippians, we read as far as the contentment that he had in that, in that book where he talks about the joy that he ends up having. Um, and you guys can turn with me to Philippians 2. We'll close out and I'll finish it on that note. Um, read through the first... We'll read through the first um, 10 verses. Okay. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God and not considered robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So the example that we have is Jesus Christ as he talks about here. How will you be able to run this example or be able to imitate Christ? Going back to Hebrews 12.1 is where he says you have to be willing to run the race. You have to learn who this Jesus Christ is. So that's the first thing. You have to be in the race. So in order to do that, you have to be a follower of Christ. You have to be in the race. A spectator doesn't run the ridge run. There's only a number, 350 people or something like that that get to compete in that. So you have to be selected by that. Well, as a follower of Christ, we are selected. We have been chosen by Christ to be able to run that race. And so we're called to look on him as the author and perfecter of our faith. So that would be my challenge. The application aspect of what I want to leave you with today is like imitate Christ. How? He came to serve, not to be served. I have found the greatest joy in singleness when... And contentment is when I have served others. And I've been challenged recently through a study that we're going through on discipleship uh, by Danny and uh, with Andrew just being in that. It's just serving others. It just doesn't come natural. But you find people in your life that are content in their single life around you. And you will find, if you imitate and watch their life, that they're running after Christ. They're serving others. Does that mean they're never discontent and they don't want to get married? Absolutely not. That's a desire God has given us. Even within that uh, you know, I've found that struggle and gone through that. It's that there's times when that's the case. So I would say um, that would be the focus and the application aspect that I would give you. Learn how to run the race that's set before you, focusing on Christ, and then apply 
and imitate Christ in the way that he calls us to imitate him by serving in the church, in the community, by discipling others, being discipled by others, going out and serving elderly. I mean, I was just thinking about that on Sunday, and we'll talk about that on Wednesday as far as elderly outreach, and they do it up in Great Falls where they go out and they bring in elderly. But there's elderly um, men and women that can't find their, their need a ride to church, or maybe that may want to play cards or things like that. What a great way to serve someone that loves the Lord that you can glean a lot from and just learn from. So that would be a, a challenge as well. And then serve others that are alongside you as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ right now. Ser learn how to serve each other, and that'll serve you well when you do get married. Two things. Listen to our one thing, a sermon series by um, Rick Holland, a relationship series that's like a 13-part series, has been one of the greatest blessings I've listened to recently uh, with someone that I'm in a relationship with that brought that up. And it's been incredibly challenging to be able to listen to that. And I wish I would have listened to that years ago. And it's like, how do I serve my sisters in Christ better in like, I don't know, checking their cars when I go out to them. Do they need help on their cars with like checking oil, putting in antifreeze fluid, stuff like that. So with that, I would just help use as an example uh, in the aspect today. So are you learning to be content? Keep your eye fixed on Christ. Well, that's what I have for you today. Yes, I'll close just in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, this day. And Lord, just a great reminder of your goodness to us, that you have saved us, and that um, you call us to run this race that you have given us to keep our eyes fixed on you. And I just pray that you help us run that well. And I, if there's anybody in here that is not running the race, that you would just help them get in the race. And if there's anybody that's running sluggishly or um, just being a couch potato, I just pray that you help them with that and just um, help us be more edifying in the way that we serve each other and let us imitate you um, in a greater manner and just follow your commandments to uh, serve where you've called us at this time and just find joy in our singleness and uh, just the great opportunities we have and the time that we have now that will not be there if we do find ourselves being with families. Thank you for this time.